You're listening to We, we, we the Aether Podcast, within and without. Welcome. Stephanie, thank you for taking the time to have this conversation today. I'm sure a lot of listeners and, and watchers of this podcast are really going to appreciate it and what it is you're involved in. Um, things off, do you mind briefly introducing yourself and, and elaborating a little bit on what it is you do on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, so I'm a transformational life coach and a psychotherapist. I also, I just got done with my first film. So we, I have a documentary coming out. I'm an author and just a lover of life. And I'm, I'm just thrilled to be here with you, Adam. Okay. And, and what is your latest book? I, I know um, I had spoken with your, I believe it was your publicist. And um, just for anyone that's not familiar, what, what is your latest book titled? It's The Spark Igniting Your Best Life. And what, what is that? What is that on the topic? Exactly. Like what is, what is, well, let's start with what is the spark exactly? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the spark to me, I mean, it's got all kinds of different meanings, right? But, but to me, it's just kind of like that essence that we all have inside of us. And so it's, it's that part of us that no matter what happens, no matter what life circumstances we face, no matter what we go through, that nothing can diminish that. And so it's, you know, oftentimes it gets covered up, right, with the the challenges and the tough stuff that we go through. And so I think it's really important to realize that, you know, we can excavate that spark to allow it to really be ignited again in our life. And so we're we're never apart from that. Okay. And why do you feel that in some cases people feel apart from it or disconnected from it in some way? I, I think, you know, what, what happens, number one, I think we get distracted with life. I think, you know, life happens and we're, we're so busy sometimes getting caught up in roles and things that we need to do, whether it's as a mom or as an employee or as a business owner, right? And so I think in order to access that spark, part of it is, you know, we have to stop and slow down enough to actually be a human being for a little bit instead of just a human doing Um, And I also think that, you know, life does lots of times people lose themselves in false beliefs, in difficult or hard circumstances they go through. And so again, it's like it gets covered up. It's it's, it's always there, but sometimes it's just not shining as bright. Mm -hmm. Now, is it sort of like a reference guide on how to reconnect with that spark or or that, uh, that inner essence, some people would call it? Yeah. So the book is, I had, I have a podcast as well, which is the spark with Stephanie James. And on that show, I've had thought leaders and luminaries in the area of science, spirituality, psychology, entrepreneurs, that kind of stuff. And uh, from that, you know, I felt like, boy, you know, I, I am so blessed. Like I get to hang out with And you know how fun this is. You get to hang out with people who literally have the most serving hearts and the most brilliant minds and want to put good into the world. And I've been in the mental health field and personal development field for 30 years. And so all that combined with my own research, um, learning the techniques that work best with my clients, whether it's coaching clients or whether it's I have a private practice that I've had for almost 15 years. I think finding those things that really work best for my clients and wanting to share that with a bigger audience, you know, and and how to kind of synthesize all these different elements to really give people that kind of information so that they can make that transformation in their own lives. 
Okay. And now the term ignites your best life. Now that it, it, is that in essence, like a self-actualization type of thing where they sort of, um, or maybe you can elaborate on a little bit, but how exactly would someone ignite their best life? And, and what does that really represent the term ignite? Yeah. So um, that's a great question. No one's asked me that question. And I love that uh, because I think igniting your best life, part of it's like doing some personal inventory, right? If everything's covered up and we could even use the analogy of, you know, if you're trying to like strike a match and it's all covered up, it's never going to light, right? It's never going to ignite. So by doing some of these things where we can, you know, break through limiting beliefs that we have, just doing, like I said, some of this personal inventory where we're willing to spend the time to get quiet. I think some of it's in meditation. Some of it's really in learning how to befriend ourselves. And so when, when we create this space, then we really are able to ignite these greater sparks in our life. So, so what that means is actualize what is it that lights us up? What is it that brings passion and purpose to our lives? So I, I feel like that's, you know, that's the essence of this work. How do we really allow that to happen? And my experience has been as we allow ourselves to heal, then we can actually become that igniter, if you will, helping other people to, to find their sparks as well. Mm -hmm. and, and now do you find that this is like a lifelong journey or a lifelong process? Because a lot of people would, you know, hear this and they, they get excited about it and they think that maybe this is something that can change for them overnight or over a week or a month. Do you find that it's something that really takes a lot of uh, inner, inner work and uh, sort of going within over a long, prolonged period of time? Or do you find that it can happen in an instant for someone and they can be sort of veered in a, in a direction that's more uh, conducive with, you know, their, their self-actualization or, or recognition of their, you know, their, their higher self or whatever it may be that you want to call it. But um, the question really is, did you find that it can happen in an instant for someone or do you find that, uh, you know, it's something that people should be prepared for like a, a lifelong process? I think it's both. And I think I've had different experiences with different people being a trauma specialist and doing EMDR with people. I've seen amazing transformation from people that had extreme trauma in their life where they weren't functioning, they had severe PTSD. And to go from that and 10 weeks later, they're totally you know, able to engage in relationships and work and have their lives back. And so I've seen incredible healing like that take place. Um, I do think some of it too is when people are able to bring themselves back into the present moment and learn how to do that where they're not catastrophizing and living in fear of the future or what's gonna happen, not living in regrets of the past, that transformation happens so much easier, so much quicker. And I also believe it's a lifelong journey. It's, you know, we're, we're gonna continue to have challenges. We're gonna continue to have things happen to us. And so it's important to get these tools and to get this kind of base within you and build that resiliency and grit so that you're able to deal with the challenges. Because I do think, you know, we live life in layers. And so it's not just like, you know, like I'm going to flip the switch and I'm totally healed and my life's perfectly ignited. You know, I, I feel like I've had huge moments that have literally transformed my life. And I've been through really difficult challenges myself um, in, in my childhood and in my life. And yet I find that when I continue to do the work, 
and I continue to show up for myself, then those sparks continue to be ignited. Like that flame never goes back to being covered up again. Mm -hmm. And by showing up for yourself, can you elaborate a little bit on that, on that uh, expression? Yeah, yes. Uh, it's, it's something that I talk about in the book. It's, it's the process of truly befriending ourselves. And what I really believe that means, and when I say showing up for yourself, it's like making the commitment to yourself that you actually become a priority in your own life. So many of us are so good at putting others first and taking care of everybody else, or we're just existing on fumes. And so we, we kind of start feeling like we can't rely on ourselves to show up for us or to take care of ourselves in the best way. So I think to be able to show up for yourself means, first of all, you make that commitment to you that, okay, like for myself, I'll give an example. I would be like in the morning, I get up, I exercise for 20 minutes, I do a 20 minute meditation, and then I do my gratitude journal and really marinate on it and really feel it. So I really bring it into an embodied state. When I do that, every time I do that and show up for myself in that way, okay, I'm being present with what I know I need to take care of myself, then I have so many more resources. I'm so much better to go out into my day and really be present with people. And so what I do then is I build trust with myself. You know, it's those, it's those promises we say, especially, you know, during this time of year, first time, you know, uh, New Year's resolutions and that kind of thing. And, and we can let ourselves down over and over again because we don't follow through. And so I liken it to like making friends with someone. When you first make friends with somebody, you don't trust them right away. You don't say, you know, okay, I, I met you now and I'm going to tell you my deepest, darkest secrets and I'm going to rely on you to pick up my kids every day from daycare. We just don't do that. That, that would be nuts. So what we want to do, it's the same thing with us. It's not that you fully trust yourself to show up for you, you grow that trust, you cultivate that by showing up for yourself day after day, so that when things do get rough or challenges do arise, you know that you've got your own back. You know that you are going to show up for you. So mm -hmm. that's, does that help bring contact? Yeah, yeah, it does does help clarify a little bit. And I think that's sort of a, a key point there is like to really be able to rely on yourself in that way. Uh, and do you find, you mentioned that you have this morning sort of routine, is it consistent for you or, or do some days you kind of waver from it and it's a bit of a struggle to get into it or you miss that routine and then you, you know, you have to do it later in the day. Like is it consistent practice that you've developed or is it something that you constantly have to work on and make sure that you're on top of? I think, uh, again, sometimes it comes really easy and I'll go a month and I'm really on it. One, one of the things I do every day at the end of the day when I show up and do that for myself, I put a heart on the calendar instead of crossing it out. Like I'm not making this day not count. I'm saying, wow, I showed up and I actually love myself this day. And so it's awesome. I love holding up my calendar and I've got like, it's covered in hearts. I would say that I am more consistent than not consistent doing it. And like every human being there's, you know, life happens. And so maybe there's a day and I have a client who's in crisis, or maybe I have a day and I didn't sleep well the night before. So it's not about being hard on yourself. It's not about saying, oh my God, I've blown it now. You know, I can't trust myself. It's not going to the extreme. It's saying, this is something I am dedicating myself to. You know, this is something that I'm going to continue leaning into. And, you know, oftentimes our growth edge isn't comfortable. 
So it's not comfortable all the time to say, yeah, I'm going to get up at this time and do this for myself when I might want to sleep in that day, or I might want to, you know, just wake up and, and have a cup of coffee first or do something different. And what I notice is when I'm really consistent, I go into my day and I literally, I mean, I, I go into my day with truly a sense of joy. And I'm, I literally am showing up with my clients, with people I'm interacting with, with my family, with my partner. It's just, yeah, it really makes an amazing difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in that. because I've, It's something I've, I guess, struggled with um, quite a bit in terms of having consistency in a routine. Uh, for instance, I know the things I need to do when I wake up. In often cases, I just execute on those things. And when that happens, when I don't execute, I feel like I'm just running around all day, like unorganized or disorganized or like a chicken with its head cut off. Like I, I'm not all there, you know, and you mentioned presence and being in that present moment and being with what you're doing. I find that sometimes when I don't have that practice or the consistency of that practice, that personally I tend to kind of waver and, uh, you know, in confusion, I guess you could say. So uh, I am very interested when people have like a morning routine, especially because I think that's what sets you up today really nicely and sort of sets the tone. And, and it's really nice that you use these these positive reinforcements with the, uh, the heart on the calendar. I've often considered uh, the same type of practice, but you know, I thought about using a star, like a little sticker star, like you would when you're in school. Um, because these things, it's almost like you have to be kind to yourself, and be friendly to yourself and like, you know, forgive yourself for anything that you mess up on and then also just be ready and be positive for you know, that next challenge that you're going to face. So, um, you know, I find it really interesting anyways, what you, what you described there. Yeah. And you know, exactly what you're saying. I, it really does help to have that visual reminder. And what we know is it takes, you know, research tells us it takes 21 to 30 days for something to become a habit. So if you can just at first, I think sometimes if we say, okay, I'm going to start today and from now until forever, I'm going to do this, but that's a setup for failure. You know, we, we have almost like this inner rebel that's like, yeah, I, I don't know that I'm going to do that. And, and so then it's harder to do. But if we say, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this for 21 days or for 30 days, most of us are willing to commit to that. And so that's the cool thing. That's why you see diets and all these exercise routines that are 21 to 30 day challenges because by that point, there's a mechanism in our brain that starts automating that information that says, okay, this is automatically what I do. And so you have way less resistance to continue it just being habitual in your daily routine. Mm-hmm. And I, I do find that one day practice has worked for me when it comes to like physical training. Um, I, I, I do like as a hobby, I do powerlifting training. And when I'm on a program, it's like I'm just it's like what I do, who I am. It becomes part of me. And usually those programs last, you know, a month or two months, three months. But it's like when I'm not on a program and I'm just like doing basic exercise type of stuff, I'm just completely inconsistent. So it, there needs to be some structure. Now, for me personally, I'm not sure if anyone's listening to this and that resonates with them, but I find that the structure is really important. That 21 day or that 30 day sort of challenge really does make sense when, when you're describing it. So really interesting stuff anyways. I want to ask you about uh, cultivating joy. I know that that's something that you discuss uh, quite a bit as well. And um, is there a particular practice aside from what we've discussed here that allows you to sort of cultivate joy throughout your life and throughout your day-to-day experience? Yeah. So I I would say that one of the biggest practices that I have, and I've just, it really, I have to say, honestly, it started really spontaneously 
But when I wake up in the morning, the very first thing I do is I have like one hand on my heart and one hand on my gut. And that will just happen sometimes. Like I'm not even conscious that it's happening. What I do though, is I marinate and, and I, I'll, I'll go a little bit more into that term in a minute, why that's important um, on just where I feel loved in my life, the people that I love sending that out and bringing in that sense of just, I, I have an amazing soul tribe. I have an amazing partner. He is very present, very attuned. And I have an amazing family. So I feel super blessed. I love my career. And not that I, again, I have bumps, I have hardships, those things all happen in my life, but I'm taking inventory in the, mo- in the morning of what those things are that really, you know, light me up and, and light my heart up. And so that already is priming, not just my heart, my soul, it's actually priming my mind to focus on those things. So it's a principle in physics that what we focus on expands. So we want to be focusing on the things that do bring us joy, the things that do make us feel loved or supported because we have this negative, negative, we have a negativity bias in our brain. And that's the part that's always scanning the environment for a threat to keep us safe. So unfortunately, you know, it's like negative experiences are like Velcro in the brain. The brain's like, yep, you don't have to keep touching that hot stove to know that it's going to burn. It's hot. You do it one time when you're five, it's filed away. So the opposite is also true. So unfortunately, positive experiences become like eggs on a Teflon pan. They're just going to slide right off in the brain because the brain doesn't need those positive experiences to protect us or, or to make us feel like, okay, now I know not to do that. So I'm safe. So in order to get those things to stick, what I call to have some stickability is we have to focus on them. We have to marinate on them. You know, and I've, I've heard people say that are big neuroscientists and other psychologists that like, if you thought of your partner for one minute a day and held them up and like thought about one of the great memories that you shared a time when like you're both were laughing and hanging out, just felt really close, it would change your relationship. Because oftentimes, you know, we get into like critical mind with our partners because it's natural. Once again, our brain's looking for signs of threat. So we can circumvent that by saying, okay, what I'm going to program in is I'm going to focus on what I really love about this person. What really brings me joy about this person? So I would say those those are some of the first things. Um, And really, you know, uh, Marty Seligman, he was the the president of the American Psychological Association in 1999. And what he did is he brought in this whole new way that that we did psychology and it was called positive psychology. And so what it did is it focused on, instead of what is the symptoms, like what are the symptoms of anxiety? What are the symptoms of depression? It's like, no, what is it that, you know, creates courage in people? What is it that helps someone to have confidence? Like looking at those kind of things. And so in reading some of his research, he talks about what he calls joy boosters. And there are things that he's literally done research around that show a significant improvement in our joy. And there's a very, very simple one, which is really in longitudinal studies, keeps us at a higher mood continually is just doing a gratitude journal. Like that's literally how easy that is. Again, because it's like what you're focusing on 
expands. And, you know, I, I've been in groups. I was um, in a women of the year group here in Fort Collins in 2014. And so we'd share like business goals and personal goals. And one of the women in there, she was, she is still a CPA. And she was like, you know, my goal, and even though this sounds unrealistic, maybe was I want 365 days of happiness. Now I know I'm not going to be happy all day long, but she had a pretty flat line life. Not a lot of, not a lot of joy in her life, not a lot of happiness. And so what was really cool is to watch that. And, you know, within a couple months, all of a sudden she's like, oh my God, not only am I journaling, like every night she journaled to things that made her happy that day. And when she felt happiness, she had more and more things she was writing down, but she said, the real gift is that I am more present to those things as they're happening. So I'm experiencing more joy and more happiness in the moment. I'm really tuned in to when that's happening. So again, that's, that's that thing of what we focus on, just expanding in our mind and in our experience. Yeah, and I like that attention is given more towards the positive aspects of, of the experiences as opposed to um, focusing on like what makes people feel upset or uneasy or depressed or you know anxious, you know, really just putting it and going the other way. Actually, a gratitude journal is something I've considered uh, doing as well. And I've seen people post on Instagram saying that they've taken up that practice. And it seems... It seems pretty interesting. I think I might actually give it a try. When you mentioned that, it kind of like a little reminder for me, like, oh, I should, I should really be doing that. Um, I've tried the reciting, you know, uh, aloud or even just, you know, mentally um, things that I'm grateful for in the morning, but I haven't actually written them down. And I do think there is some power to when you actually put something on paper uh, as an affirmation anyways, and, and just as a, as a gentle reminder. But something I might actually try, um, you know, maybe even tomorrow and then see how it goes for me because... Uh, you know, that, that reminder is like, it's good enough reason for me to give it a shot. Uh, I do, I do yeah, see it cool. as being pretty impactful if, if, uh, if, if I can return to that practice every morning. And, and, you know, I do have a lot to be grateful for personally, but sometimes it's just as you said, like the mind doesn't really necessarily want to focus on those things. It always wants to focus on like, what are the problems that need to be solved. And then, you know, sometimes you just get overwhelmed with that. So, um, you know, I do I definitely think it's a very good practice. Uh, and if anyone's listening, I, I, I challenge you to take that up as well. If you haven't done so, do it with me because, you know, it's something I think will be beneficial. Um, but just to rewind back a bit, now your meditation practice uh, that you do in the morning, you mentioned it's about 20 minutes. What type of meditation do you typically do? do, you typically do? Well, I, I do two different kinds right now because I'm a part of a meditation group where I, I have two meditation teachers out of Seattle. And we're on a Zoom call with that group um, Tuesday and Thursday nights, and that's for an hour. So we meditate for an hour both times. In the morning, uh, one of the meditations I've been doing, which my life coach gave me, is actually, it's really, again, these things aren't difficult, Adam. It's not like these are these tricky techniques. It's literally just doing them. And sometimes the most simplistic technique, it has a really profound effect. And I have found going through 2020 and all the wild things that have been happening in our world, what's really helped me is the simple practice of sitting on the floor and people can do it with their back straight up against a wall. I like to do mine with my back straight up against my couch and my legs straight out in front of me with my hands resting on my knees. And I set my alarm for 10 minutes and all I do is focus on feeling into the floor with my body. 
So literally I'm just grounding my body into the floor. That's all I do. I keep bringing myself back to that energy center. You know, some people call them chakras, um, but it's literally feeling into your butt, feeling into your legs. And it gives you a sense of groundedness. And the last 10 minutes, so after the alarm goes off, then I lay flat on the floor in what a yoga pose that's called Shavasana, which is just lying flat on your back with your palms up. And you just let whatever came up during that meditation integrate for the last 10 minutes. And it's really powerful and profound. I mean, it's, it's, it really is this deep sense of groundedness, well-being. I definitely, it's when, when we're in that place, that is the part of our body that really represents safety. So when we're really grounded in that part of our body, it creates that for ourselves. So that's, that's the meditation I use in the morning. Mm -hmm. So if your mind starts to wander, you simply return to the, the visualization of grounded and, and that grounded sensation of being sort of earth and, and you know, seated in that way. Is, is that, is that correct? Well, I just, what's great is you just feel into the contact between your body and the floor. And even, you know, I know men don't do Kegels necessarily. Women do Kegels where you, you know, just, just tightening those muscles down there for a moment. That's literally what I use to re-anchor if my thoughts go away. Hmm. Okay. And the lovely thing about the last 10 minutes is your thoughts can go anywhere. It's not about not having thoughts. It's actually just lying there and being in a receptive mode. And I have had awesome inspirations. I've had what I call downloads when I get just like this, this inspiration that feels like it appears out of nowhere. Like the universe is just giving me something. And it's just, it's really been a profound practice in my life. Yeah, it sounds it sounds so. And I've heard people describe similar practices, and and you can really um, you can step that up even going out in nature and sort of sitting on on the actual grass and, and doing very similar practice. Um, I, I enjoy doing that, not in the cold weather. But, uh, you know, actually, you know, I've done that too, where I go out in the actual cold and and do like the Wim Hof style. You know, are you familiar with Wim Hof? Oh. God, yes. Yeah, yeah, I actually, I was at a Tony Robbins event three years ago, and he was one of the presenters. Oh, really cool. Okay. okay. So I'm, I'm big into um, not wanting to ever do cold showers. But uh, yeah, I definitely have done some of his techniques. And I think he's, he's so powerful. And I totally agree with you. Like, that's a huge thing for me every day getting out in nature. Every day, I think we need contact with nature. And it, you know, it absorbs negative ions, number one, but talk about if you, gosh, if you can do this meditation, if you're not in places like you and I are in right now with snow on the ground, um, if you can do this outside, even more beautiful, more wonderful. But I feel really blessed. I have this awesome dog, standard poodle jewels, and, and we go out every day, twice a day. And it's just awesome looking at the sky looking at the trees, you know, breathing in the air. This morning I was like really aware of like, oh my gosh, I wasn't aware all these birds are actually here in the neighborhood. Those small things, I mean, they give us a sense of peace. Mm -hmm. So really important to tap into those resources that are all around us. And you don't have to go to the forest. You can literally go into your own backyard. You know, the sky is always there for us. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, there's uh, it actually, the sky's always there. That sounds very much like um, Dzogchen uh, meditation. If you're familiar with that, it's like a Tibetan Buddhist um, type of meditation where you're basically just doing sky gazing 
or you can watch treetops. Uh, you're sort of embracing natural great perfection and you're just kind of taking it all in, keeping your eyes wide open. You're, you're sort of embracing all that and, and really embodying it yourself. You're, you're one with it, you're connected with it all. And a lot of people don't necessarily realize that. So um, style of meditation is, is really interesting. Uh, there's actually someone on, on their podcast, Lama Suryadas, uh, and he does Okchen um, uh, practitioner, and he really went in depth on it. And I found that to be a really effective practice for me. So um, I, I do the nature thing as well. I go walking every weekend. I have a dog. Uh, I have a doorman and a miniature picture. So I like a big and a little. And um, yeah, we go for, for hikes all the time. So I find that to be pretty pretty refreshing. So you're kind of preaching to the to the choir when it comes to nature. I really I really do love that. Um, yeah, I love so it. I want to ask a film that you have recently worked on. Would you mind just sort of uh, discussing that a little bit? What was it about exactly? So what the movie is about, the, the theme of the movie is it, it begins with, you know, the challenges that we all face and we all go through and how those challenges can actually become the match point that ignites something within us that can become then our gift to the rest of humanity. And it really comes out of Truly, I had like the download during a meditation that I do know some of the most brilliant minds and serving hearts on the planet. And what if I got these people together here in Fort Collins in Colorado, and instead of just doing a presentation, a seminar, that we would actually do our own event first. And I'd have a film crew and first interview them about, you know, these people weren't born enlightened, Right. We've all gone through these really painful challenges and hardships that help create who we are. And so the first part of the film, it's these different interviews where people are sharing those pain points, you know, that those hardships that they went through. And then we moved to the second day of filming. We did what we called the lights of the round table and there were 12 of us. And so really discussing also what were the things that were life-changing for us? What was our experience of love, not romantic love, but what was our first experience as a child of love knowing that we were loved or what that was like? I mean, we just really explored some of the depths of what's going on in the world, although we had no idea, you know, the pandemic was ahead. So much of what we discussed is really about what's going on in the world right now. So, and then it was through that alchemy that was created by these two days together of eating meals and making music and meditating together and you know, we had a big party and dance together and there was this beautiful alchemy created. And then that was taken onto the stage. And what was cool as these presenters went up, these are people that a lot of times, you know, it's tens of thousands of dollars to have them come in and speak. They all came for free because they believed in the project and they stayed, they stayed in the audience. They didn't just speak, do their 45 minutes and get off. They were like holding the space, you know, and really emphasizing this thing of like, you know, we're all the same height. We're all in this together. And so it was just an incredible experience that we were able to catch on film with an award-winning film crew. We just got out of post-production. So we're, we're moving right now into uh, putting together actually the trailer, which should be released pretty soon. And then looking at going into negotiations with Netflix, Amazon, and Gaia. Okay. So we can get this out there. 
Yeah, I was going to ask. That sounds like something that would be suitable for Gaia or even uh, for Netflix as well. There are quite a few documentary-style films coming out on Netflix, and they just blow up and become so popular. Um, so, a lot of the uh, so you're a life coach uh, now. Your your clients that you work with, what is the biggest challenge that you find that they face in in their daily life? I would say one one of the universal things that I find, no matter how successful someone is. You know, my, my therapy practice is that, you know, a lot of times dealing with people in crisis and my coaching is more people that are really thriving, but they want to take things to the next level. And even people that are very successful and feel like, you know, they have enough money, they've got good relationships. There's, there's still these underlying beliefs, it seems like these limiting beliefs that keep people from going to the next level. And there's the kind of this universal belief of in some area, I'm not good enough. And that's something that I feel like is always a, an important part of my coaching is let's unearth those. First of all, because so many of them are subconscious, we have to find out what is it? What subconsciously, what are these limiting negative beliefs that are keeping us from accessing where we really want to be in life? And so once we unearth those and, and figure out what that is, then we can make substantial change. We can really start working on changing those and helping people access a different belief system that will help them to get to where they want to be. Hmm. And do you think that that's a simple process for, for most people, or is it something that really requires a lot of, you know, being at the root of the problem or, or the root of their concern or limiting belief pattern before they can actually start to make some changes? Yeah. You know, again, I think um, it's different for different people. It's, it's, I find it different when someone's been really immersed and say they haven't done their work. And so they're really coming in with maybe a more wounded belief system that they haven't done any work on, as opposed to someone who comes in and says, yeah, I feel pretty good about myself. You know, like my self-esteem is pretty intact, but the, here's this, these places that are like my Achilles heel. What I found is that once we're able to identify what it is, you know, there's processes of how you, you don't just, again, it's not just a light switch. You don't go, oh, I'm going to believe differently, ready, go. That just doesn't work. So it's, it's, there's techniques and things you can do. One of which is if, if say that you knew that there was one thing that was a hitch for you, one belief. And sometimes, you know, I'll give you again, a personal example, because like in my life, for me, it was always this positive external manifestation of a negative belief. And I'll explain that. So for me, you know, I've always been super driven. I'm the oldest kid in my family, put myself through grad school as a single mom, you know, and I just was always very, very, very self-reliant. Well, when I first started learning about these negative beliefs and how they impact us, these, you know, subconscious beliefs, I was trying to think of, well, what, what is it? What, what could be guiding some of this drivenness? And what was interesting is as I kind of floated back in my life, I realized, oh my God, it was my parents' super bloody divorce when I was 13, or my dad's having an affair with my best friend's mom. I had had such a happy family before that, like literally this very intact, by all appearances, super happy family. My parents never fought um, in front of us and everything exploded. And then my mother really struggled. And what happened is when we go through trauma, there are these beliefs that get hardwired to the trauma. And so there was this unconscious belief of like, I can't rely on anyone. I have to do it all myself. 
and had really set up these behavior patterns in my life that were actually limit, limiting me from being as happy or as connected or as fulfilled in relationships as I could have been. So it was a really powerful process when I realized that was what the underlying belief was. Um, I was actually, I was taking this course that was about how do you activate your reticular activating system, which is the part of our brain that is really noticing things. So it's the part of our brain that like when we buy a new car, we're like, nobody has this car. And pretty soon we start seeing our car we just bought everywhere. It's not that there was a run on, you know, a big sale on that car. It's that now our brain is attuned to it. It's noticing it. Like when my daughter was pregnant, she's like, mom, everybody's pregnant. Everybody's not pregnant. You're just having this internal awareness, right? So that's what you notice. So the exercise in that course was to take a belief that was not serving you, even though there were some positive manifestations of it, right? I mean, being successful and putting myself through grad school, all those things, there were also this underlying current that wasn't so hot, right? If I don't trust other people in that way, then I'm not forming the kind of intimate relationships that I want to be forming. I'm not having that richness in my relationships. So the, the course instructor said, blow up your affirmation really big. What is it that you really want to believe? And so mine was, you know, I'm completely loved and supported by the universe. And so the, the journaling exercise was every night for 30 days to write evidence to that exact affirmation. And so it was such a cool process because right away I started noticing things because my brain was attuned to that affirmation that started showing up. And again, like you said earlier, by writing it down, that is really one of the strong things for our brain. It really is the part that says, hey, pay attention, this is important. And that's why we take notes when we're in school. So we, we're gonna better retain it. So what was really interesting though, Adam, is like within the first day, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a lot of people that send me text messages that are super kind and supportive. You know, people just saying, hey, I'm thinking of you or I love you, sweet friend, something like that. And within the first week, I had two different baristas give me free coffee. You know, they were just like, oh, we love when you're here and it's so good to see you. And this is like a coffee shop I frequented every morning before work. And then it was just little things like people just being kind, whether it was somebody at the grocery store, somebody letting me in on traffic, whatever. But about two weeks in, the lid got totally blown off in an incident where my daughter and I had been gone for the day and came home and this rusty old water heater had rusted out at the bottom and like flooded the basement. And so there was this standing water through the basement. I literally had spent at the time, almost all of my savings. We had just moved into this house, remodeling it. And I, I go outside and, and there's neighbors out there and I just say, Oh my God, I don't know what to do. Next thing I know, people are coming over with shop, um, shop vacs and fans and helping me do that. And then I had a girlfriend, she and her husband lived about four houses down and they saw this commotion, people coming in and out. And she comes over and she says, what's going on? And I tell her 15 minutes later, she comes back and hands me a thousand dollar check. And she's like, I know you don't have the money for this now. And you and your daughter need a water heater for tomorrow. My husband has a truck. He'll go take you and pick it up. So it was, it was kind of like that blew the lid off my belief system. 
And even though I kept doing the exercise, it was like my life started really changing and little subtle ways that became really important and profound. Like I opened up to allowing my mom to show up for me because I was like, I'm an adult. I don't need my mom to do these things. But actually it, it took our friendship from very separate to like, she's one of my very best friends today, you know? And this is, this is, you know, a decade later and my girlfriends, um, people in my soul tribe are always like, oh my God, we were so thankful when that happened because it was so nice to be able to like to show up for you once in a while because I never went to other people to get help. So it was really this beautiful lesson of our limiting beliefs might be these little subconscious beliefs that show up in our life in, in some positive, but also some restrictive ways. So that's, what's cool. Like when I'm coaching with my clients is we're able to do that work to figure out what are those thoughts so that they can do the different techniques, which open up and change their lives then in, in truly amazing ways. Mm -hmm. I'm sure ways that they wouldn't even anticipate expect in any which way, just I'm sure they report those things to you and it's, it's a shock to them. So that's pretty neat. Now your, your other clients or your, your patients, I guess you could say the ones that are more on the crisis side, yeah. um, how do you find, uh, what are the major challenges that they face that are obviously in a different situation than the ones that are, you know, perhaps successful and just looking to improve, but you know, they're more actually experiencing some trauma, things they need to work through. Uh, you know, I've spoken to some art therapy um, experts and, and different types of modalities can, can help people differently. I guess it depends on the individual, but, but what's the kind of overarching theme of, of the problem that a lot of people face from what you've noticed? Well, I think, it, you know, it's different for me. A lot of my clients, um, because I do, I'm a trauma specialist, a lot of people are coming after they've had a major event. So people that I, I contract with victims assistance here at the state. So sometimes it's someone who's been through a rape or somebody who's had an intruder in their home or been through something that's really, you know, an attack or abuse. And so we're able to, EMDR is an amazing protocol that the FBI uses for its agents that experience trauma. The military endorses it for their soldiers that have PTSD. And it really does significant and substantial and lasting brain change. It changes how the trauma is connected to your physiological response, right? So that's the anxiety attacks or the panic. And it helps rewire it neurologically so that it's separated. You still can have the memory, although it never feels as crisp and you don't have the emotional response. So that's a big part of what I do. And then I would say, you know, the other people that are coming in, that so much of it right now is, you know, a, a sense of really, as you know, people feel really isolated right now. People struggling with feeling alone or feeling like, communication with the person they've been shut in with for the last nine months has become really, really difficult. And this whole pandemic has given people this opportunity, if you will, it's a challenge and an opportunity to really go deeper where they weren't able to, you know, now oftentimes a couple's not able to escape each other where they'd have work or friends or all these other things as a diversion. Now they're like, wow, now I have to deal with me or now I have to deal with you. And so that's been in this last year with the pandemic, what I'm seeing a lot of is people coming 
and, and in some ways that's really cool and it's really beautiful, Adam, because what people are also coming with is like, yeah, I'm really ready to do the work for the first time in my life. I can't distract myself anymore. I can't avoid this. And so I'm ready, I'm ready to do it. And so I've, I've just seen, gosh, you I mean, just beautiful movement in this last year, seeing people really dig in and do some of this work that we've been talking about. I mean, truly for the first time, learning how to befriend themselves, learning how to cultivate a sense of resiliency and grit and really improve their relationships. You know, I do a lot of couples therapy as well. So really helping people to do the deeper inner work where it's like, okay, I always tell couples, there's three entities in the room. It's you, your partner, and then the third entity is the relationship. So instead of doing like this blame game, how do we move into looking at what am I contributing to either the well-being or the not so well-being of this relationship, the health or the illness of this relationship? And so that's, that's really what I'm finding the most of right now. Hmm. That is a really great time in that sense that people can you know, really work on themselves. I'm, I'm hearing that a lot from people. It's like there are less distractions. There's less commuting. I mean, even shaving off that one or two hours you know, to get into work, a lot of people can spend that time on themselves. And I think that's just going to yield such a better return for them and going in and sitting in a cubicle or whatever it is they were doing. But it, it is a great time in that sense. And, I, and I've spoken with a few people and um, I was actually on a, a podcast myself and someone asked me if, how I feel about the current way that things are. I have the sense that everything sort of is as it should be right now and, and that it sort of is a way leading to this evolution of, of the average you know human being on earth because it's allowing them to do that work that they never really had the opportunity to before uh, and allowing them to access content such as this and speak with people such as yourself because um, really they're putting themselves first now and I think enough people put themselves first I think you know down the road we're going to see some major shifts globally in terms of you know societal shift uh, financial system even just in the home relationship stuff as you're discussing um it's not all doom and gloom when it comes to COVID for anyone that's listening or watching this, you know, there are some positive aspects to it. It's really, you just need to unearth those, uncover those, and then and really dive right into them. Um, have you ever uh, utilized psychedelics or psilocybin mushrooms or anything like that with any of your patients, or have you even had experiences yourself? And, and I ask this because the growing decriminalization of things uh, and also when psychedelics are profound in terms of their ability to deal with PTSD uh, and various types of trauma. Uh, I'm personally an advocate of the use of psychedelics because uh, something that I, I use, um, I do like microdosing, psilocybin, uh, and that in itself has been extremely beneficial for me, not to the point where I'm like passing off into another dimension, but one where I'm actually here, I'm present, but there is this gentle reminder from, from that substance that really sort of keeps my mind in track. And, and sort of keeps that negativity at bay and, and really sort of reveals the shining light of, of every moment of every day. Um, have you had any experience with that? I have, you know, I, I feel like the research out there right now is so phenomenal. And that's why we're seeing the de decriminalization of it because it truly significantly reduces anxiety and it, you know, people's depression is elevated. So I have even right now a 70 year old client who just got really turned on about it. And it was just like, yeah, I really want to do that. And I'm not right now licensed to be able to 
you know, there, you can get a certification and be a therapist that administers that. And I'm definitely leaning into that because I've seen the profound difference where people really get a sense of well-being and it is life-changing oftentimes. So, um, yeah, I, I, I would have to say I'm really a strong advocate for that and for people doing it sounds like in the way that you're doing it to microdose it. It's not a recreational drug. It's actually plant medicine can be really powerful in, in our healing process. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's something that I'm hoping to explore more to help people really heal. You know, did you ever watch on Netflix? They had Gwyneth Paltrow's goop series. I didn't know. No. Well, it was, I got interested in it actually because she had Wem Hof as one of the guests. And what, what she would do is she would have her own team go out and do these awesome experiences. So they all went and did like a Wem Hof weekend. And then one of the other episodes was they all went and did mushrooms with these mushroom therapists. And again, it was just really watching this profound healing take place. So I am really fascinated by that. And I think that it's, it's something that we're going to see more and more and more of. And yeah, I think that's a good mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I, there's two ways I've, I've used them. And the one is with the microdosing a capsule. So it's actually like comes in a bottle just as medication would. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I pop one or two capsules. Again, it's not like I can just go about my work. I can write emails. I can do all that. It's just this sort of like feel a little bit lighter in everything that I'm doing. And the other I've used is uh, I actually use sensory deprivation tank. Yeah. I do that on a weekly basis every Sunday. And actually for the past two, two and a half months, I've been doing it. Um, and I up the dose just a little bit and um, basically float there. And, you know, I'm there for an hour. Actually, on the last float session, I had this, um, it just ended up being this way, but I just on embodying love and compassion and then sort of exuding that throughout my day experience throughout my daily life because it's something that I tend to like I really need to focus on returning to often I just get so caught up with technology and everything else as I'm sure many people do so um, yeah I just found them to be pretty beneficial in terms of just returning me back into that that state of resonance that one that's sort of harmonious with all things that sort of you know they connected to that pure love and compassion that really like fuels everything that we see I, I feel like everything is connected to this limited infinite well of unconditional love and for some reason we're all just like stop to it so you know those those tank sessions have been really beneficial for me as well have you any experiences with float tanks yeah so i just did it for the first time a couple months ago my my boyfriend lives in seattle he's mm-hmm. moving here in a month thank god but uh we did do this uh float tank in seattle and it was really powerful not with psilocybin's just just floating, just that Mm -hmm. in and of itself. And I guess, you know, I'd want to say that too, for the listeners, part of what you're describing that people can get, that we can get from these psilocybin experiences, which I think are really, you know, like you're saying, they can just be amazing and so important and profound. I have found I've had those experiences through meditation Mm -hmm. where I absolutely have the sense that you're talking about. I woke up this morning totally in that sense. And again, I was doing that, you know, hand on my chest, hand on my stomach. And as I was bringing up that sense of, you know, people that I really love and 
feeling that sense of love. I mean, I did have that. I, I call it, some people call it source or spirit, the divine, whatever you want to call it, universe. I definitely had that sense of that total interconnection with all of life. And so I think that is, I think as a planet, as humanity, I think we are moving up in consciousness and in vibration. And I think these are important practices to do so that we can get there. Um, and I don't think it's just exclusive, like you're saying, and not that, not that you're saying it's only exclusive to psilocybin. There's other ways to get there as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I almost feel like psilocybin is a bit of a cheat code. It just allows you to access that with a little, um, I don't know if ease is the right word. I mean, I have had meditative experiences as well um, without any uh, substances. Um, I, my previous house I was in, I had this meditative practice where I'd wake up in the morning, go down to this uh, shower I had in my basement, it's a big stone shower, and I would do um, like I could just head down uh, on, on the stone tile and just allow the water to flow over me. And there's, there was numerous times where I felt this water was just compassion and this love, and it was just coating me and just flowing into me and flowing through me and almost like dissolving everything that I've come to understand about who I am, this name, this, you know, this all this stuff it was like almost became irrelevant um and, and it's funny you, you know you use the term uh, spark you know in an ignition because it really feels like there's that inner there's that spark inside that it just sort of covered up with all those things with all the superficial things like a name like you know your your physicality clothing you wear the brands you wear your job right. title whatever it may be, it all gets covered it all just sort of layers on top of that spark but really that spark is, is what's so feels more real than everything else you know it feels more real than all those external things and uh, for some reason along the way I feel like <laughs> most people sort of lose connection with that spark and then they just sort of embrace all these other things these like these realities as being more truthful and, and more rooted in absolute reality but you know I just I just don't believe it to be so so I really like that you mentioned that and sort of led into my next question of where you feel things would be going in the next year or two um, you, you mentioned sort of leveling up of consciousness and then that's sort of the, the intuition I have towards it. Um, is it just your, your practice with, with working with people that's giving you that feeling or that sense, or is it your, your observation of society as a whole that, that's reinforcing that feeling? I would say I'm mainly, you know, getting those feelings. Those are more downloads for me than, yeah, yeah. you know, working with people. When I do work with people, I feel like I can feel more of that collective healing starting to happen. Like I said, people being more open than they've ever been willing to do the work. I feel like I've got an amazing community of soul brother and sisters as well that are also holding that vision and seeing that. So yeah, I, I really believe that in the next year, we're going to see more and more, even though it's, I feel like you know we, the world exists in polarities. So it's almost like the world had to get to this tipping point before this greater consciousness could emerge. It's almost like all the things that were unhealed and unhealthy and ugly in our world really have been coming to the surface more than ever. And so you could even think of that as like this great purging. And once that is out, it's like, okay, now we can heal. Now we can, you know, we have a choice. It's like, it's been there anyway. A lot of it's been covered up, but now it's all being seen. Things are coming to the surface. So for me, I mean, that's the hopeful thing. Even in the pandemic, I, I, with all my heart, have empathy and compassion for people that have struggled. 
And I also saw it as that's the catalyst that's moving us into this next place of connection and having this global consciousness and getting even more clearly that we are all interconnected. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I feel like there's so much hope and so much light that's going to continue coming into the world and, and we can choose what we focus on. I mean, that's mm -hmm. just it. We can truly choose what we focus on. And I think about Auschwitz survivor, Viktor Frankl in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, when he says, you know, they can take everything from us except for the, our own right to choose our own attitude, to choose our own way. So it's, you know, it, this is, this is inner journey. This is inner work. And that's why I feel like it's so important for each one of us to be willing to do our own healing, because through that, we really do, we become these, these conduits, this channel that helps raise the vibration, raise awareness and consciousness and helps bring that more healed and loving self into the world. And what an awesome gift. It's the greatest gift you give other people is to allow yourself to heal. Very well said. I think that's a beautiful way to even end this discussion. Uh, I think it's a lot for people to take in and, and really consider. If people listening or watching this do want to reach out to you with any questions or, or you know, follow up on this discussion, what's the best way for them to do so? Then get a hold of me on my website, which is stephaniejames.world. And there's places there that just say contact me. Or they can send me an email if they want to send me an email through there. There's messages there as well. And I'd love to see anybody. Right now, I just am starting tonight an Igniting Your Best Life group. So we'll be discussing a lot of these things out of the book. And people can register for that on stephaniethespark.as.me. And I also have on there a meditation group that just started on Thursday morning. So that's another offering there. And I hope people will come join me so we can really help you, you know, transform your life. And then together, you know, we can really help ignite the world. Very cool. And is that a free meditation group that people can join? It's, it's not, um, it's, it, but it's, I made it super affordable for people. And I don't know if you want me to say what it costs. Um, it, all the information on your website. All the information okay. is on my website. What so I'll do is uh, I'll put all the links for for your stuff in the description of this episode as well. So if anyone you know didn't catch it from you speaking it, they can just down yeah. there and, uh, and click it from there. Uh, what about your social medias? Anything? Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. Stephanie the that? Spark. Stephanie the Spark is my Instagram. Follow me on Facebook, which is just under Stephanie James. Uh, yeah, and and. Also, I'd love people to listen to my podcast as well. They can listen. It's on all the same formats that yours are on. Mm -hmm. The Spark with Stephanie James. And if they want to look at past episodes, an easy format is thesparkpod.com. Okay, very cool. I'll make sure to include that link as well uh, in, in this episode description. But otherwise, thank you for taking this time to have this chat. It's, it's really been enlightening for me, and I'm sure it's beneficial for anyone listening or watching this. So. Uh, you know, thank you. Thank you again. I really appreciate it. And yeah. uh, I hope, hope we can have another chat again sometime soon. I'd love it, Adam. Thank you so much. Love being Thanks. here with you. Take care. See you. Take care.